My name is Ashley. My name is James. He's in recovery for drug addiction, and I'm navigating my own recovery in relation to that. Now that I started my blog to share my story, I think it's time for us to both share to continue helping others and shedding some light on the world of addiction. This is Speak Up Together. Do you think that was too wordy? Yeah, but you're always too wordy, so that's just kind of how you are. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm back. (laughs) Okay, so we're doing something a little bit different. I am not going to give you a topic of discussion this time because I feel like that was too limiting. You know, like, it's good to have, like, an idea of what we're going to talk about, but I just didn't want to be limited by one thing. Like, hey, we're going to talk about this, and that's it. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah. So I kind of just took two, like, episode ideas worth of notes that I had jotted down, and I'm just going to go through those. And, I mean, they're all related in a way because it relates into the whole topic of what we talk about. But I also have some little posts that I have seen on social media. I have a Reddit post that I was just going to bring up. Because I just think it's just little little things where, like, I have my own opinion, but I think it would also be cool to get your opinion. And just little things like that. So it's basically going to be, I don't know, even more of a conversation. Just, like an opportunity for me to just get in your head some more and I kind of want that to be the whole goal of this anyways you know to get the perspective of me being the partner and you being the one with the addiction and just how those opinions can differ and be similar at the same time and two like you know it's important to get the perspective of somebody who's been in your shoes but then also to get kind of in the mind of what our partners may be thinking about any given subject or whatever you know what I mean so yeah both sides yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so I had this written down because we've kind of dipped into this before a little bit, but it's the whole idea that addiction is caused by like trauma or something in childhood or whatever. Because I feel like I see that a lot. There's always this this uh, I don't if, I don't know if it's a meme, but just a picture, and it always has Russell Brand on it, and it's always like you know. We shouldn't be talking about the, you know, gateway drug. We should be talking about, you know, trauma as the gateway or whatever. And, like, I just want to know. I feel like I already know what the answer is, but I just wanted to feel, or I just wanted to ask that from you and kind of get your opinion on that because I feel like you had a really good childhood. And so, yeah, just, like, what what are your, what, how do you feel about that as a whole? Because I know it's different for everybody, but, like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I will say the majority of addiction is caused by trauma um, or mental health issues. So even if something was, they didn't have like a specific traumatic experience, they they you know went into depression or had uh, tr- you know anxiety for a long period of time, and um, yeah, drugs became the, the coping mechanism. Um, in my case, I mean there was a little bit of that, but there was also my specific you know, tumble into addiction was really out of just like a strong curiosity and um, a strong scientific knowledge of drugs and being fascinated with how they all worked. So I was more risky um, with my drug use or a lot of people may like, you know, try one drug. I wanted to try, you know, all the different kinds of drugs and I would mix them for, because I knew how they worked in the brain and I wanted to boost one with the other. and. I, I didn't know that the that the use would change 
the so I was like the scientist investigating the drug. I didn't know that the drug would change the scientist. I didn't know that the the use would change the observer. And so I, yeah, I got lost in addiction that way. But it was also there was also a component of like a lost identity at the same time, whether those were correlated or not. Um, I feel like I was already on that path of being very drug curious before you know, before the addiction came, but they kind of happened around the same time. So I feel like it was two different things that strongly, me being super drug curious, and then also uh, having a point where I lost my identity and my, you know, in my group and what I was doing my day to day. So these like are little factors that kind of come into play. Yeah. And then what kept me in my addiction later on was was depression so I mean yeah I do think that drug use is a symptom and not the cause generally um yeah well that's actually interesting because I have a statistic on that because I knew we were going to dip into that so what I have is in 2017 8.5 million American adults suffered from both a mental health disorder and a substance use disorder or co-occurring disorder. That's from AmericanAddictionCenters.org. Dual diagnosed. Yes. So I feel like that did come into play a lot with yours too because like you would, I think, I don't know if it happened at least when I was around, but I remember that you would get um, medication for depression and then also different things. And like you, you do have experience taking antidepressants and all that, but um, you weren't really a fan of those. But I feel like... I can get all into my opinions about antidepressants <laughs> if you like. I mean, if you want to. I mean... I, I can. <laughs> so, I, I I mean, I think that mental... Psychiatry, specifically psychiatry, I think it's a pseudoscience. And, I mean, I feel like if you talk to a psychiatrist, you know, some of them may agree with you on one aspect. It's a pseudoscience because there's no condition in the medical field where you could go in and tell them something and then they diagnose you from you telling them it's it doesn't work that way they have to do tests you can't just say oh you know i have i had a heart attack and they're going to just okay you had a heart attack we're going to give you this medication they, they're going to test the organ that they're treating and in psychiatry they don't do that they can it's expensive but they don't do that it's just talk you could they actually had it where these doctors or these scientists pretended to have mental disorders and they could get officially diagnosed with those mental disorders by pretending that's crazy so and when it comes to depression specifically because depression medication is handed out all the time and these medications are very similar in their effectiveness to a placebo so if I opened up a practice right now and it was you know depression cure practice and I somehow got FDA approval if I gave every single person sugar pills I could run a successful practice because I would have about 30% of the people that came would have great success and all the naysayers, they'd be like, oh, well, it didn't, didn't work for you, but it worked for me. It worked great. I've been doing so much better now that I've been seeing James. He's such a great doctor. It's just breakthrough medication because about a third of them will, will get recovery because that's just how the placebo works. You, you feel like you're getting treated. You take something for the treatment and you end up, you know, just feeling better and curing yourself in a sense and that's really that, that's really how it goes with 
with actual medications, when you get the medications, you can get you know side effects, plus you get a, a very similar effectiveness to the placebo. And obviously it can't be the same as a placebo, but it might be like a 10% difference. So if you treat 10 people, one extra person gets helped out of those 10 if they were given uh, actual medication versus the sugar pill. To me, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in any of it. And then, you know, out of all those people, out of all those people that didn't get help, the, the four out of 10 that, that had re results, they only really measured the results for like a couple of weeks to a couple months afterwards. And so if, if you treated 100 people, 40 of them got results after two months. If they're all back in depressive episodes after six months, that doesn't count on the statistics. So even if it failed all of them after six months, it doesn't matter because the test only went to two months. So in SSRIs, they cause sexual side effects, which can also lead to depression. And it can, I mean, there's a lot long-term brain changes, personality changes. I know multiple people specifically at Paxil, where it changed their personality. And they were not the same, and they didn't know they weren't the same, but their family members knew they were different, and it changed them in a negative way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think actually, like, Paxil and stuff, I actually think those are better for, like, chronic anxiety than they are for depression, because their depression rate success is you know, rather mild. But uh, for long-term anxiety, even for sleep, some people um, will, you know, swear by Paxil, and I, I agree that it does it does have those effects. It helps people sleep better, and it helps people uh, with chronic anxiety. But it could change the personality, and then once you're on it for a long time, um, getting off of it is very difficult. They won't even call it withdrawal; they'll call it discontinuation syndrome because they wanna they wanna make it sound better. But it's a withdrawal. It's a long it's a long withdrawal, and you get like brain zaps and you know, panic and yeah it's it's risky it's a pseudoscience but it does help some people and I I've, I've obviously used the medical field I'm not a fan of the SSRIs like when I got an antidepressant I specifically asked for mirtazapine because mirtazapine has the highest success rate of any of them because if you look up uh, meta studies you can look at meta studies where they get all the studies and they combine all their data across the board and you could see which ones were truly the most successful and mirtazapine was very high. Mirtazapine and amitriptyline. Obviously I'm not giving medical advice but those ones were the most success and even at being the most successful the success rate isn't very high compared to a placebo so even then and I couldn't tell you if I had a high success rate on mirtazapine or not because I stopped I stopped taking it because I didn't feel like I needed it anymore and I haven't taken it since and yeah, I mean, I feel like it's good comfort in the beginning, but I was also coming out of uh, of a, of addiction, and that's another thing. Sorry if I'm talking too much. No, and that's okay. another thing <laughs> with addiction. I would see it a lot in detoxes where they would get people to start taking SSRIs when they're like in detox, or like right when they got out of detox. You cannot properly diagnose a mental disorder when somebody's coming off of drugs. It is impossible. I mean, like the, the thing that you're treating is an effect of withdrawal. So like, you're, you're, you're treating a, a withdrawal. So um, they've actually done <clears throat> done studies on people that are you know in uh, recovery and they're you know, either in, in detox or coming out of detox. 
and they have a very low density of dopamine receptors and once the the density of our dopamine receptors returns their level of depression you know fades and the only way to truly bounce that back is through exercise and time and there's also supplements that do that which i take um, but exercise and time is like the most effective treatment for that the low density the low density really means that your body can't use a lot of dopamine so even if your dopamine levels are good you're, you're not feeling it your body's not responding to it. So you want to get a higher density so you have more of those receptors and the depression will subside. Well, and then, sorry, I have no, more. Okay. No. <laughs> so the science of, of most you know, antidepressants, which is the standard is SSRIs, is what everything's compared to. Um, what it does is it's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It stops the reuptake of serotonin. So there's more serotonin available but your brain is really dynamic and it's smart and it knows what's going on. It sees there's way more serotonin than normal. So your body is gonna adapt to that. And what it does is it starts, uh, you know, uh, upregulating the, the, the dope, I wanna say dopogeneric, the dopogeneric and the norepinephrine receptors. And it gets everything up on those levels to match the serotonin. So then you end up back at a baseline because really what you're looking for is is the, the ratio of each neurotransmitter and one being higher has its effect because it's higher than the other ones but if you if you get the other ones to match it it starts to go back to a baseline again your brain adapts your brain's constantly getting rid of receptors or turning on receptors and it, it knows what's going on so over time it does that and you eventually have to go on a higher dose which causes more side effects and it's just a, it's just a whole cycle but I feel like like information like this, just talking like this, is really important too because a lot of people, you know, go into that situation, you know, wanting to recover and wanting help and stuff, but then they they don't have all the information that you do because you you know find researching and doing stuff like that to be enjoyable. But a lot of people don't know that you know, and like it's just not talked about a lot because I feel like, you know, just mental health as a whole is something that like society as a whole is trying to be more open about but especially when it's tied with addiction which is still a really you know weird subject to talk about on a lot of different levels you know it's just hard to get that kind of information out there and stuff but even stuff like you know matt you know even taking like medications oh, yeah. like that and stuff you know on you for you is like a huge thing yeah which I also happen to have a statistic for because I knew we were going to dip into that and explain what matt is it is medically assisted addiction treatment well, Matt is medically assisted treatment. There's I no know, but I just want to make it clear. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. Be talking about anything. I know. I'm a stickler for acronyms. Okay, so my statistic that I have here, so you can give your input on this, but I found this from rehabs.com. The first long-term follow-up evidence for Matt's effectiveness was published in 2015. Researchers followed participants in the Prescription Opioid Addiction Treatment Study. The study, which was a collaborative effort between the National Institute on Drug Abuse Clinical Trials Network and researchers at the School of Medicine at the University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio, examined the abstinence rates among people who had participated in MAT. The study found that half of the participants reported being abstinent from drugs for 18 months following MAT therapy, while after three and a half years, the number rose to 61%, with fewer than 10% meeting the criteria for a diagnosis of drug dependence. So yeah, I feel like um, like the primary thing is like, okay, somebody's 
you know, on drugs, they need help, they have to go to like rehab, and then they just have to go to 12-step meetings after, and they can never even like think about doing anything ever again. Like no prescriptions, no like whatever. And so, you know, a lot of people tend to see Matt like Suboxone and stuff like that as like a Band-Aid or as something that like you should only be on for like a couple of months. And like, I used to think that too, like when you would first start talking about doing that, like you were on methadone for a while and you even tried Suboxone in the past and it didn't like, it wasn't something that stuck. But like, you know, I would, I used to think that way, you know, I'd be like, well, why do you want to be on this? You know, it's just going to be another thing that I have to keep track of or another thing that's going to be like something you have to watch out for. And like, you know, you can abuse it. And I've had since situations where you've abused it in the past and stuff. So like, I don't know. I feel like now it's working out great for you and stuff, but I still feel like it's something that's like weird to talk about, you know, like it's almost like weird to admit it because it's like, oh, well, are you really sober or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I'd say that I'm you know, drug free would be a misnomer. I, I'm not drug free. I am ta- I am taking a medication that is, that is a drug. Um, but my, I mean, my relapse rate was high cycling at the end and yeah uh my only previous experience with suboxone was not on uh maintenance it was like on a detox or i would just get it on the street when i was like you know ran out of drugs or whatever but um being on it long term it it's not like its effectiveness ever ever went away i would what i would think once you're on it then you know, you're you're accustomed to it, and then you know that that point you're gonna seek you know want to seek drugs again, and it's gonna start all over. But I I don't I don't have that experience with it, and this is the first time I've ever taken it you know under a doctor's discretion. <laughs> so I I do talk to a doctor once a month that prescribes it, but that's not the it's not even just talking to the doctor. It's um, being on a, a prescription so I get it regularly as opposed to getting it on the street where the, the person you're buying it from also sells your drug of choice and sells other pills. So multiple relapses that I had in 2019 was when I was picking up Suboxone because I was doing well, picking up Suboxone, and then the person with Suboxone had um, uh, benzodiazepines. And I'm like, oh, well, if I, um, I'm not taking the hard drug anymore, so now if I take the benzodiazepine on the Suboxone, I'll feel even greater. And I did. And I took it. And then I just went, you know, went all crazy again. So it just started all over. So getting away from the sources uh, that have the other drugs was also very helpful. But, yeah, um, long-term, Matt has worked for me. I, I don't have, I don't have a, like, a plan to, to stop, which some people may see as, like, you know, weird. Oh, you're just gonna stay out for the rest of your life? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't. If you plan on getting off of it, if you're like, okay, I'm gonna take it for six months and get off of it, it brings up a whole new host of things. When you're, if you're coming off of it and you're in the midst of your life, I mean, you might as well go to a, a rehab again, because I feel like there's gonna be, uh, you know, there's gonna be a long-term recovery from that as well, and you're gonna be back to your baseline where where you were before. Well, and too, like I guess, like my own personal opinions, I used to think that you would still act high, even if you didn't look, you know, like visibly under the influence of something. I just assumed that we would still have the same kind of things happen where like I would notice it, like your typical like high behaviors that maybe only I would notice. Yeah. But you seem 
to me, like, completely normal. You don't do anything weird. You're not, like, nodding off or being, like, overly energetic or anything. Like, it, it's not really something that I would even notice if I didn't know that you took it. Yeah, and, like, so methadone is a different story. Methadone, you do have you have to go into the clinic every day to take it. And methadone is a full agonist, so there's no... There's, there's no plateau on how much you could take, but that being said, because it lasts so long, it kind of has kind of acts like it has a plateau but plateau means that after a certain dose it has no more effect like you can't get a stronger effect from it so with suboxone it does have a, a plateau effect where it just, it just you could take you know as many as you like and it's not going to have any more action on the brain um and then also suboxone is a partial agonist and it's just a very it's a very interesting uh substance to say the least but it doesn't it doesn't have like the change in the voice where you get like this raspy voice that oh, I forgot about that. So like when you like because so for example Ashley would always know when I was using because I would get this raspy voice. It would only happen when I would take um, like a like a real opiate, usually like a morphine or a heroin based opiate or even codeine based opiate. It would cause this raspy voice, and there's no way to get right, like rid of it. You can't change your voice and try to figure it out. She would know. So that would also happen, I believe it would happen on methadone. I'm not too sure. I don't really remember that. But um, but yeah. So suboxone doesn't doesn't do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the past, I would judge people that were on suboxone, but I was probably just jealous because they got to take something and I didn't. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I feel like a lot of the anxiety comes from like when like when you have to stop or get off of it. So everybody talks about, oh, it's going to be terrible to get off of it. But I don't necessarily have a plan to get off of it. So it's working for me, and I don't have any side effects, and I'm not too concerned about it. So just like if I was taking, like, a like a heart medication or something, I'm just going to continue to take it because I'm very stable where I am, and yeah. Well, yeah, and that's another thing. Like, not even just with, like, you know, hearing other people's opinions about it or seeing, like, different actions or behaviors with you on it I used to be afraid too of like having that thought in my head like most people say you know like you need to be on it for a certain amount of time so if that wasn't your plan that would usually be like an opportunity for us to get in an argument or disagreement or have like you know differing feelings on it which would cause us to have you know something in the way of having a better relationship because I would kind of harbor that and be like well why don't you want to you know be on it for just a short amount of time like are you you know using it for the wrong purpose or something like I would end up having all of these different opinions on it which you know in reality in our situation didn't really matter you know like it's really up to you and I can either choose to support that or I'd have to deal with that on my own but I see how it's working for you and like I know that is do you know it's fine it's not a big deal and so like you know it's just caused kind of like a a difference in my mindset and how I you know look at certain things and so I feel like that's been really helpful but like another thing too is like meetings you know people say that you have to go to meetings yeah. or even for me you know with Naranon like I feel like it's almost like bad because you go in there and then you just get like this belief that you have to be going for the rest of your life like even if your partner is you know sober or whatever like you just have to keep on it and I get that you know, because I would go through periods like that where I, like, you would go to rehab and then I would do really well for the time that you were gone. And then when you came back, like, I would, you know, go right back into my old habits. But I feel like the habits that I've made from going to Naranon and from doing my own 
work on myself and stuff, I don't really feel like there's a point in going anymore because I don't really want to go back and just hear all, you know, all the sad stories from everyone because I know being where I am, I, I am expected to go back to give the hope to those people and stuff. But like, if it's just not something that jives with me or that I feel like would be good for me, like, I just don't feel like I should feel that pressure to go. Like, I'm doing well. You know, like, I feel like if you told me right now that you relapsed, I would not self-implode. You know, like, <laughs> I still feel like I have all the tools and everything that I need and that, you know, it's it shouldn't be considered bad if I stop going. And I still feel like I trip myself up with guilt, you know, sometimes when I think about that. Like, are those are those people that were there, since it was, like, the same meeting with the same four people every time, like, are they, like judging me like do they like think that like oh well I've got it all figured out I don't have to go like you know it's just those own opinions that I have of myself like you know feeling like I'm being like judged or something by other people but yeah and I feel like you kind of like deal with that too or you might or whatever with meetings and stuff because you know that's the mentality yeah I feel like I feel like success and recovery is like the proof is in the pudding like for example, like I've had times where I was going to meetings and I, you know, wasn't on mat, I wasn't on Suboxone. And at a, I mean, those times after like six months of sobriety, I would be depressed. I, I hated working. I didn't feel like capable of working like a full day. And I was, I was just miserable. Um, all those different multiple times of recovery I always ended up depressed and unfulfilled no matter what I tried whether it was work you know exercising or how you know talking to my sponsor doing the book work but now I I don't go to meetings and I'm on Suboxone and I can work probably more than I should I, I have no problem with it I don't feel a lack of energy I'm motivated I can support I could support our family as much as I can and I, I mean, besides maybe like after work when I'm tired, I feel like I'm mentally present. Um, I mean, I probably could be more, but I mean, the, pr- <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. So, I mean, if you see, you know, two people, one of them is not on mat and they're struggling and they don't, they're not enjoying life. They think about suicide. And then the other one is on mat and they're doing just fine and supporting their family and working and being a contributing member of society and paying taxes. It's just... There's a huge difference. And you obviously can do both. It just that just wasn't my situation. So if if someone can do great not on mat and go to meetings, that's awesome. But the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the majority of the people you know in NA meetings that were running the meeting stuff, they were living their life just fine and they, they weren't on mat, but a majority of them were probably on psych meds, a different type of psych meds that they're probably gonna take the rest of their lives. So I just you know, this might be the medication that I take for the rest of my life. I, I'm not sure if if a situation comes up where somehow, for some reason, I would have to stop taking it. I don't know what that would be. I'd have to cross that road when I come to it. But for for now, it's working for me. And I mean, later this year, I'll have two years. And um, I don't feel like the medication is any less effective now than it was in the beginning. If anything, I feel like it's more effective now because in the beginning, there was it was like a more sedating effect to it which now you know now there isn't so i don't i feel like the ment the best mentally i've ever felt in my life um when it comes to dealing with challenges and stuff so 
I don't know. It works for me, and if it works for somebody else, I think that they should go for it. But um, I was every time I I used any type of medication like this, I was always thinking like, I just got to get off of it as quick as possible, and that is what caused most of the anxiety with using the mat. And so I, the reason what actually changed my mind is I actually read the studies on it, and the studies are very clear. The people that had the least um, the most harm reduction were the people that stayed on it long term. The people that had either death or STDs or whatever it was because they went off of it quickly. And when they went off of it, they either they overdosed because their tolerance was down, or they you know got it whatever. It's just really about harm reduction. And if you take something that like this that works for you long term and you're reducing the harm, that's really the best case scenario because my risk of harm was very high because I was an IV uh, drug user and I was you know, rapidly relapsing and yeah, I'm not doing that anymore, so that's a plus. Yeah, and I feel like too, like d just weird situations that happen kind of like tamper people's opinions. Like, you know, somebody goes to rehab for like you know, marijuana addiction, and then they're like, oh, can I get on Suboxone? Like, these weird outlandish stories that come out of left field, and then it kind of just, like, taints the whole name of it. But, you know, if it's something that's relevant to you and the use that you had or whatever, you know, because there's just so many different types of addiction, so many different types of people, so many different types of situations that we shouldn't just paint it all with one brush and be like, oh, well, this is the only one true way, and if you don't do this, then you're a failure and you're not serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can talk about, so the, the uh, abuse potential with Suboxone, it's definitely there. So if an opiate-naive person, somebody that has you know doesn't use any opiates, if they were to take Suboxone, they would get a, a strong opiate-like effect from it. But in the case of like opiate use, like if you're, if you're a, occasionally an opiate abuser and you take pills and this and that, Suboxone is going to be like the least thing that you want because it, it lasts really long. And it's not a euphoric, it's not a euphoric opiate. It is a strong opiate, but it's oh, sorry, opioid. But it's it's not what you're looking for when you're trying to take opioids. Methadone, on the other hand, has a much stronger abuse potential because it's it's. I mean, if you have no opiate tolerance, it's almost identical to taking uh, any other pill. Like if it's oxycodone or more or or uh, methadone, I mean, they're, they're basically the same in the euphoria level. Um, but if somebody's coming off of heroin and they take methadone, they're not getting high from it. I can tell you that much. And same with Suboxone. Like when I when you transition from heroin to Suboxone, you do not get high. In fact, you still feel terrible. You still feel awful coming off of the heroin. So there's a huge gap there. It's not it's not the same. Even though it does have an abuse potential, it's it's a very different. It's not a sought after opiate for opiate users. Interesting. Yeah. So I actually have this note because, I don't know, I feel like, for me, it was just something that I used to think about before. I guess just the difference between, like, pills and more hard drugs and weed or Kratom or supplements and kind of just, like, the difference in those different things and how worrisome they should be or whatever because, like, like before I met you, I had, like, zero knowledge of anything. And I just thought all drugs are bad. Drugs are drugs. They're all bad. They're, yeah. like they have the ability to be like abused and then like after I met you and then I know that you used to have problems with Kratom in the past and then so 
I know that you used it sometimes and um, other people would use it as a way to like detox or different things. You can kind of like talk about that. But then, you know, like I remember one time when I thought you were doing well, I found like an empty bottle of Kratom in your lunchbox and that was like a huge thing. So I'm like, what is this? You know, I, I thought this was bad. I thought, you know, you abused this in the past. Like, what what is this? And I guess, you know, like, I don't know, just kind of like a continuation from our last thing. Like, d- just the difference between these things. If you take a supplement, is that just like, a you know, a Band-Aid on that? You know, like, like whatnot. But I feel like you do a lot of research <laughs> first, which may actually be a bad thing. I don't know. But I just wanted to get your opinion on that and like different things like down that way. Uh, I mean, I, I think everything ties back into to mental health. And if, if somebody's mental health is low, uh, the, the, the supplements, Kratom and stuff can be much worse. I, I'm on the fence about, about Kratom. Um, I, I think it should definitely be legal and available to anybody that, that wants it. I think like people that have struggled with you know, daily pain um, they'd be much better off taking Kratom. Kratom is, a, is a, as far as I could tell, it's a very safe substance. Um, it also has a plateau effect, which is much lower than even Suboxone. But people can, especially an opiate naive person, can get into a cycle of, you know, heavy kratom use, and they're not going to be like using kratom and like falling asleep and nodding off. It's not a strong, it's not a strong effect like that. And in fact, it can be even you know energizing. But yeah, uh, it does it has it has an abuse potential. That I would say is like in between coffee and stronger drugs. So it's like it's definitely more than coffee, but I mean, it, it can have a withdrawal effect as well. If you stop taking it, you will not feel well for you know maybe a week. But I'm on the fen- I'm on the fence about it. Um, if somebody's been sober for a while and they start taking kratom again, I I think that puts them in relapse territory because. I mean, once the you know once they're used to the kratom, and then that's not enough for them, they they can move on. That's definitely a factor. If they're using kratom and they're just using it to get off of the opiates, I mean that can definitely be a help. That can be a help for sure, 100%. Um, but it's kind of like you know whether you're gonna if you're planning on getting off of the the detox drug, it's like whether you want to just rip the bandaid off or you want to rip it off slowly. Yeah, I'm on the fence about kratom, but it's hard for me to really say one thing for sure. I think I think kratom is a good thing. I think it's a it's a positive thing, especially people that have chronic pain. But like some people that you know they were on hard drugs because they also have chronic pain, and they were using people. If somebody, you tell somebody they have chronic pain, they're using heroin. It sounds ridiculous, but it's actually not. I mean, in other in other countries, if you get an injury, they give you heroin in the hospital. It is just another opiate. It is a commonly, it's a different form of morphine. It's just acetic morphine. But yeah, I mean, uh, if they were to get off of heroin and, and take kratom for the rest of their life, that that may be a good thing for their physiology. It's just it's hard to say. I, I mean, kratom itself isn't going to be causing somebody to like you know their health to decline or something. But if they're if they're um, you know consuming like multiple ounces a day or something, I mean, it could give them tummy trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next thing it kind of mm-hmm. ties into this clip that I was going to show you because I feel like it's like relevant. So hold on, let me 
put on the clip. Okay, so the reason I have this scene pulled up is because it was just really funny. Um, the movie is called A Star is Born, and it's the remake with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. And this was during one of the times I think you were in rehab. And I was at my parents' house, and they were like, hey, well, not my parents, it was just my mom. My dad doesn't care about movies. But um, my mom was like, hey, you know, this new movie came out, do you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And I didn't know anything about, like, the old movie, because I, I guess it's like a remake. And so I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's about Lady Gaga, and she's a singer, and, and that's really cool or whatever. But then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is, like, really uncomfortable. Because it would just be, like, normal things, like for the plot of the story but then like given the situation that I was in it was like really awkward because we weren't as open with it as we are now and so I was just gonna do this this is a scene in the movie when he is in rehab he's in rehab for alcoholism and I think he probably took drugs too but um I just wanted to play this scene for you and then we were just have some other things I was going to talk about so okay. oh Charlie's sweet he just sort of sits like by the door like Waiting for daddy. We're both waiting for daddy. In three weeks? You are going to come back, right? What do you mean? You're going to come home when you're done? Do you not want me to? No, I want you to. I'm just wondering if I just... Where else would I go? I don't know. I guess I just Why thought, you, you know, wait, it's wait, like there's Jack. Wait, 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 wait. Why would you say that? I don't know. I guess I wondered without the booze, you know, if you would want to come home. Because when you met me, you were drinking, and now you're not. I wasn't drunk the whole time we were together. I know, but, but it got bad when we were together. It's okay. I mean, it's it's fine. I just was one. I just was wondering. That's all. And whatever you want is. Okay. Whatever I want. I want to be with you. That's why I'm okay. here. Okay. I know. I so, know. yeah. So, it's just like a little scene where, like, he's in rehab or whatever. And it's funny because I was watching that and I was just like, wow. On one hand, I was like, I can really relate to this. And then on the other hand, I'm like, my mom's sitting right there and you're in rehab. And I think I've said that same thing to you. And like, is she thinking about that or is she just, like, lost in the movie and thinking about like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper you know like <laughs> it was just awkward and I was just like do I say something do I like laugh about it do it you know it was just funny because I was just like really in my head and then there was this time too where like he's a performer so he's up on the stage and he's like singing a song but he's just like wasted and so then he's like up there and then he like you know falls over and she's just trying to take care of him and they get him in the shower and then the, then her dad comes up and like starts trying to fight him because you know just all this all this stuff you know that I could like kind of feel for them you know and like, like I get it you know like just the awkwardness and the trying to save face and everything and it was just like a really weird movie to watch with my family when I was like in that place now it wouldn't be so bad now I'd be like whatever you know like I own that situation a lot more but yeah so it was just interesting and then also remember we were watching that show euphoria i wanted you to see that because you know that was a little bit different because it was like the girl in high school who was dealing with that um her drug use and then it was interesting to see like how her mom would kind of like deal with it and you know like making her take urine tests and everything and then there was also that scene with one of her classmates and her dad was like a heroin addict and they showed him 
coming back to the house after being out of contact for a while and um, you know like just coming in to get stuff that I'm assuming he was gonna like pawn off or whatever and it's just it's just interesting to like see that because before I met you you know like I would see situations like that and I would just be like wow you know that's terrible how hard or whatever but like I didn't really have any kind of like um, exposure to like drugs or people who had took drugs or whatever any kind of that before I met you but now I just see it through like a totally different lens and like I don't know I just wanted to get like your input on that like different things that you like have you seen anything in a movie or a tv show that was like actually accurate could you relate to anything like as the person who's had issues with drugs like in that show or any other show that maybe I haven't seen or something I don't know I just wanted to get your input on that well yeah that I mean so I'll start with that scene I mean, it's definitely accurate because I was also just like he was. I was also surprised when you were like wondering if I like wanted to come back to the house and stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, it makes sense. So I guess like from your train of thought, thinking like, okay, well, maybe now that you're off the drugs, maybe you know this isn't what you want, and being scared of that, so preparing for it. But I mean, that was never the case. I just wanted to get better. I feel like I'll be more likely to you know, not come home if I was using because, you know, I didn't want to be like that around you. But once, you know, I was clean, that's when I would want to go. But, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. But, I mean, I can't really think of any, like, movies I've thought really hard about that, like, (laughs) related. I don't know. I don't really think about it that much, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I get that. Um, <laughs> um, we've talked about this a little bit too, but I feel like this would be like, I don't know, a good point to talk about it with a microphone in front of us, but just like your input on videos, like just on social media or on like TikTok, like every once in a while, I'll see a video of somebody who is like clearly on drugs, like bad drugs, you know, and they'll be like trying to do like normal things, like put gas in their car or they're just like you know walking around but you can tell that they're on something or they're like talking to themselves or whatever and people kind of like make a joke out of it and so you know like people in the comments will be like what you know it's funny and then there'll be that one person who's like you know this is somebody's family member or you know we shouldn't be making fun of them or whatever I just wanted to know what your opinions on that would be because I've asked you that before and you were saying you had said like I don't even remember what you said, but it wasn't the same opinion that I had because because yeah. I was like I don't have the same opinion as you on that. I don't think. Yeah, because like my opinion is like like oh you know we shouldn't be doing that you know that's rude or whatever blah 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 but like I don't know I just wanted to to see your yeah so, so I do I do understand that viewpoint like oh that's somebody's family member but in my mind when I see that it's almost like I feel like it's a commercial like don't do drugs like <laughs> I don't know like that that's what happens so I mean I feel like even. Even if, you know, you were the person in the video, you'd be like, yeah, like, I don't know, I was making bad decisions, I, I was, you know, I was out of my mind, I don't, because, I mean, when you, when you go, when you go down that path, your, your boundaries just continue to move, and your, what you consider to be, like, you know, um, what you consider to be, like, okay, just keeps changing, so, by the end of it, you end up, you know, being somebody you don't even recognize, and you can't even you can't even understand the decisions that you had made. Um, they don't make sense. So yeah, I mean, when you see somebody that's acting crazy on drugs, I mean, I call it like it is. Yeah, that's that's crazy. What a weirdo. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah, that is. 
I don't I don't really feel like it's like offensive to addicts or anything, but it is it is I feel like there should be the viewpoint that it's somebody it's somebody in distress and it's not it's not just a crazy person, it's somebody that is dealing with, you know, severe trauma or somebody that's dealing with a severe life situation issue. So they should be treated as such and not as like a bad person, but a lot of, a lot of times though they it it gets convoluted because that same person may be stealing and yeah maybe they're stealing because they don't have a lot of resources or whatever but they're all you know they're they're committing crimes and they're living the, an addict life and i feel like they should be they should be treated as such but i think that if somebody's committing crimes and is also an addict i feel like they should be treated as a patient and not as a criminal but yeah they need they need help yeah see that's why i think this is cool you know i like getting your opinions on things like that so here's another one so speaking of like being offensive to addicts okay well even just saying that a lot of people don't like the word addict which i mean i don't personally like i well let me define okay well yeah go ahead (laughs) we'll we'll define it so a lot of people are very confused about what an addict is if if i were to say somebody uses drugs every day would you say they're an addict? It's like, no, no, I would not say they're an addict. Um, an addict is a very specific definition. It's actually very hard to define, trying to define what is an addict versus a drug user versus somebody that's dependent. Um, for example, a, a cancer patient that takes you know, opiates every day is not an addict, even though they are dependent on opiates. They would be considered opiate dependent. Um, but an addict is somebody where their drug use causes significant problems, and the significant problems in your life uh, you know, you have to try to define that, but it's causing them problems. Like they, they lost their job. They are having fights with their partner because of their drug use, but they continue using. And that is where the, uh, that's where there's an addiction. So if somebody, if somebody can use drugs every day and they're not having significant problems, they're taking care of their, everything in their life, they're not considered an addict and they're not considered to have a problem. So, I mean, and there are some people that do that. And I mean, more, more power to them. Well, even you right now, like you, your body would be physically dependent on Suboxone. Yeah, I would be considered not, opioid dependent. Yeah, but you're not like an addict hiding it and like going out and being crazy like you were before. You know, like I can text you and get a response about where you're at and you know things like that. Yeah. But then also. Um, you know, because even like in my writing, you know, sometimes I'm like, should I write the word addict? But you know, it's just a word that people understand you know they're familiar with the word addict but what about like the word junkie like do you take offense to the word junkie like i don't know if anybody's ever called you that but you know like is it just a word in the community that you would take offense to um so i mean i mean it it can be characterized as a more derogatory term but i i've actually heard that term a lot by people self-describing you know i was a junkie which would usually mean you're like an iv drug user so or like method or tweaker or tweaker. You know. I mean, yeah, even I mean, even people that that are tweakers, I feel like they're like, yeah. I know people could describe it in so many different ways. Like, oh no, I'm not a tweaker. People all the time that that use meth. I'm not a tweaker like them. They smoke it. I don't do that shit. I would never. <laughs> that they tweak out all night. I don't do that. I only I only slam it because I because I'm better. Or people, a lot of times people are super offensive if they are asked if they use one drug when they only use another drug. Like a heroin addict, if they're asked if they use meth, they get all offended. 
I would never do that. How dare you accuse me of that? I'm not a tweaker. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, even just like with any type, any people, like well, like one race of people, they make fun of different people in their own race that are from different areas, and they look down on them or look up to them or whatever. It's the same with addiction. People, people that, you know, you know, do IV heroin make fun of people that smoke it people that smoke it make fun of people that use it IV so it's just yeah makes sense and then a little bit kind of like in the same in the same vein (laughs) Uh, in the same topic of that um, alcoholism I feel like in society especially in like pop culture with like celebrities and stuff if people admit that they are an alcoholic and they get help for alcoholism, I feel like it's a lot more celebrated so than I if take some- it seriously sometimes. Yeah, or it's like, or it's something that I feel like a lot of people like joke about. You know, like, oh yeah, I'm an alcoholic because I drink, you know, this much, blah 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 blah. And I feel like, like it's, I don't know. I just feel like something like that is like a lot more. It's like looked on better and a little bit more praised. You know, like oh, you know, they're you know they they have an alcohol problem and now they're they're getting help and it's really cool and like i i don't know i feel like it's it's more socially acceptable to be like that versus like oh yeah you know they had problems with meth but now they're getting help you know like probably because you know you can go out and buy alcohol in you know target but you can't go to target and buy heroin or meth but but still it's like the same idea like you know with the whole dependence thing and the whole ability to tear your life apart like is it not like i don't know what are your thoughts on that well the thing is 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 certain types of drug use is is seen as certain types of people so it's almost like a cultural difference like an alcoholic generally isn't going to be in the same type of behavior as what we would see as a tweaker like if somebody you know stole your bike or robbed a store or stole something a lot of times that's associated with with meth use the thing is it's it's just as much associated with with heroin use but you know it's just it's seen as oh yeah that guy was must be a tweaker and for all we know the guy doesn't even use that but there's a certain type of people that like you know walking on the street talking to themselves i would assume even me i would assume that they've been using meth just as uh, uh, an observation that's I would say good good majority of the time is probably true but um with I mean with alcohol I feel like a lot of people they relate with that because some people I mean a good majority of people have had times in life where they relied on alcohol too much to unwind they're stressed out they lost a loved one and they were drinking too much and so when, when somebody else admits I've been drinking too much it's kind of seen as like oh yeah man, I did that too at one time even though they weren't an alcoholic, they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was drinking too much one time. I get it. Yeah, you're drinking too much. Just stop. You'll be all right. So, but with meth, I mean, most people haven't used meth. So, when they're like, oh, my gosh, you used meth. What a loser. Uh. Yeah, that makes sense. This is really cool. I like getting your input. Okay, so for the last two things, I have a screenshot from Reddit that I just thought it would be cool to get your opinion on. And then I have something from Instagram. So on Reddit, it's a post that says, those of you who have been to rehab, what should I expect? Because I feel like, you know, let's say, you know, back in the beginning when I first heard about you going to rehab, I'm like, wow, what is that? You know, can I 
can I talk to you? Are you going to be like in a place where you can speak? Are you going to want to talk to me? Or like, you know, what is it like? What, how would you, I guess, answer that question if you saw that on Reddit and like, okay, I've been to rehab. How would I answer that? Well, I mean, a good way to look at, at rehab for me was just like you're getting a break from your life. Um, and that's kind of how I used it because I needed a break from my responsibilities and my bad decisions. So it's a safe place to to do that. And I mean, once you get there, you're probably going to regret going and stuff and you're going to be go through a bunch of emotions and you're going to be uncomfortable. And But I mean, it's a safe place to do that. It's better than any other place. And you may have contact with your family, but... I mean, I don't think it's actually beneficial in the beginning to always have contact with your family because they don't need to hear every emotion you have in those first five days because you're going to go through, you know, a huge roller coaster of emotions and to, you know, be able to tell your family every day how terrible you're feeling isn't necessarily a good thing because at the, I mean, when you start feeling better, you're going to be like, oh my God, why did I, why did I send that last letter saying I wanted to die or whatever? So, Yeah. I mean, it's a safe place to do all that. I mean, some rehabs are definitely better than others, but no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, definitely find uh, find your niche at the rehab and find something to do that keeps you occupied and bring books. And if you're allowed to, bring an MP3 player. I brought an MP3 player with audiobooks, and I listened to it all the time, and it was extremely... Books and audiobooks were like the most beneficial thing in rehab for me. And shower shoes, yeah, bring shower shoes. It's yucky. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I guess there's like a misconception too, like for people like me, you know, like oh well, you're just gonna go to rehab and it's gonna be like a nice break for you, a little vacation, you know, like I still have to do everything at home. But I mean, yeah, you, it's a break for your life. But I mean, I wouldn't really classify it as like a vacation or anything fun. You know, especially if you have one of those weird situations where you have, like, a crazy schedule and they make you... Like, that one you went to and they made you, like, color for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I hated that because it was, like... It was, like, they just they just wanted you to stay in the room for, you know, however many hours a day. So then at the end, you just had to stay in there and color. Yeah, I mean... I didn't like that, but that's how it goes. That, that rehab, I didn't... I thought that rehab was, like, corrupt. That was They were so mean there. I didn't... I didn't like it. I mean, I understand you need to be, like, strict and keep people on a schedule, but that place was, like, over the top. I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. Well, and it's funny, too, because, like, I thought, from my perspective, that was, like, the best rehab you had ever gone to because, like, I don't know, especially when you won that espresso machine. I'm like, what kind of rehab, you know, lets you win prizes, and let alone an espresso machine? But really, it was, like, the worst one you've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean... There's, there's there's benefits from all different kinds but I feel like I feel like they were they were power tripping a little bit and it was just like yeah I don't know just to have like the counselors like you know cussing at the people and like just like it's, they were demeaning people and like it's not like people were like doing crazy stuff or anything it was just like they they were just like stomping on people for no reason and yeah I didn't like it all right okay so now i have this other one so this was a question more like that you could answer 
but I can give my input on this one's more of a question that I guess is like for someone like me but I also want your opinion on this one too so it was just uh, like a an anonymous question from a different page and it was like you know can we help this person you know give your advice and it says what is the most challenging or painful aspect of your relationship with an alcoholic or addict and would you do it again knowing what you know now and yeah I guess the most challenging thing for me was just realizing that like I could not be the answer to everything and I could not be your savior you know like I couldn't be the one because that, that kind of ties into everything you know like I made it my goal to be the one to help you to overcome your your addiction and everything and everything that I did and every belief that I had and every action that I made was all tied into that and you know I would get resentful when I felt like I was failing at that or I couldn't do it or you weren't being as receptive to my help or whatever and it was just it all tied into that but knowing what I know now obviously well like yeah I would do it again because I know all the benefits that came out of it you know like I learned so much about myself I am a completely different person than I was when I first met you you know yeah and like yeah you know we went through a lot of really hard and really terrible situations but I mean I really enjoy where we're at now you know I really do enjoy the person that I am now like I I am a completely different person for the better and you know, like I, it's really like, I don't know. I really I mean, like our relationship and everything. Like it's, it's not something where I'm like, oh, you know, I wasted all those years with that person with the drug issues. Like I do, like I am thankful for all of that, you know? Yeah. And, and if, if you hadn't gone through that and, and grew as a person like you did now, then I feel like you, it would wait till down the line and, you know, with something else where you'd have to actually finally like let go and not be codependent and stuff like that yeah like it was it, at some point at some point you would have to like because it's unhealthy to like you know be super codependent and uh let i mean i guess just less independent and now that you are i feel like it's like better for our relationship in general yeah, yeah i agree well yeah so we i don't know we went through everything i had written down and i feel like it it flowed really nicely so yeah well, thank you for <laughs> thank you for Listening. talking with me. Oh no, I don't know. Well, I yeah, thank you, talk, you. I thought you were talking to the people. No, I was talking to you. Thank oh. you for <laughs> thank you for well, thank you for listening to all the things I wanted to talk about. But yeah, thank you for your input, and I can't wait till next time. All right, talk to you later. <laughs>